Welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I'm Bradshaw, that is Briscoe, and we got two of the guys who changed the business. They brought rock and roll into wrestling. The groups, The Shield, The New Day, Four Horsemen, NWO, they all owe these guys because they're the ones that set the table for them. When you talk about over, <laughs> there ain't nothing bigger than the Freebirds, the fabulous Freebirds. We are excited. Jimmy Jam, Garvin, and Michael P.S. Hayes. Welcome, guys. Hey, what's going on? Thank you. Thank you for having us. Welcome, Thank you for guys. Me again. And, yeah. I'm and glad and, and speaking about now. over, let, 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 me, let me jump in and just tell how over the Freebirds were. And Michael will remember this occasion. And I'll, I'll just name the city, and you'll know the occasion Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. The immortal, the late, great Gordon Soley had flown in because this show is so big. We're coming off of TBS, and the t- Freebirds were just so hot at the time. And, you know, we all, we all, we all chuckle and kind of laugh when we, when John Cena used to go to the ring, we'd hear that, hear that low pitch cheer, and then you know, Undertaker, you hear that manly roar, roar of the crowd and stuff like that. So we were Jack and I go to the ring first to give the Freebirds their proper entrance. You know, this old veterans, you know, gotta 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 turn it over to the kids here. So we're gladly doing it. So we go out and we're there. So Gordon Sullivan and their opponents, ladies and gentlemen, hailing from Atlanta. As soon as he said that Atlanta battery, Atlanta, Georgia, that crowd started going crazy. They flipped the music on. Bad Street, our uh, our free bird, and a play, and the building just started shaking. And Gordon Soli is getting so frustrated. He's trying to introduce the free birds, trying to introduce the free birds. Finally, he just he says, "Ladies and gentlemen, we're all Americans here," and throws down the damn microphone and walks out of the ring. Right, Michael? Yes, sir. But what part of that was he? He needed a drink. Um, <laughs> in 30 minutes without a drink and it was getting on his nerves we we literally had to go back three times uh and thank god we got our schooling for that uh in the junkyard dog program down in mid-south with all the riots we had already been in um but yeah man that, that, that those are some times that let, let's not sugarcoat it jack and jerry did so much for us when we first broke in and i've always said i appreciate it and i'll never forget it yeah, yeah, believe it or not, uh, at the time, Michael, and you you know it because you and I have talked about it and you've asked me about it. You know, when when and because of because of your 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 modern look, you know, our business modern at look. the time was, what the what? Modern look? Wait, he's a hippie look. Wait, 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 wait a damn it. Jimmy hippie, was dressed like that in the ring. Michael dressed like that all the damn time. All the time. <laughs> That's what people don't understand. This is Michael Freebird Hayes, P.S. that you see in here. But, but you know, uh, everybody started, you know, well, I, Michael, Michael, you know, he, he's a buck 75, buck 85. Of course, he got those brutes there with him. But they look at Michael and see that hair and everything, just, just the way he walked and talked and carried himself. You know, I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was hip before the business was hip. And so the business wasn't quite ready at that time. But Jack and I own, you know, percentages in two territories, and we looked at those some bitches, and we said, "Man, there's some green cash in those two boys there." So we raised our hand. We'll work with those guys and work with them. We did, man. 
by the time we finished working with them, everybody in the damn country is wanting to work with them. But, uh, man, it was so much fun. They brought so much to it. They, they brought, you know, I like your introduction, John. They, they were the prototype of all those hair tag team guys back in the, back in the days, the bodies, the expresses, the midnights, the daylights, you know, the, the global, all, all those guys, these guys, these guys, the, the, the Garvin and, and Freebird and Michael, they're, they're, they're the prototype that really started changing the, the, uh, the outlook of our business. And we started drawing a younger, hipper crowd. And I think it, it's all because of these guys here. Well, you know, that, that's true, Jerry. And I appreciate you saying that with Michael and the boys. And, and, and I, you were saying that uh, you, don't, you didn't think that they were quite ready for uh, them when they came in. But that seems to be, that's followed us around. That was the story of our life. I don't think nobody was ready for us when we showed up and when we did show up they was they was thinking if they really did want to be ready for us so <laughs> you know so so I, I would just like to take this moment to go back a little bit to the last time you guys had jimmy garvin on and he told us we had a blast too we had, yeah, yeah yeah you yeah you had a blast we uh, told the truth we told nothing did. but the truth maybe yeah. maybe you and bradshaw told the truth However, Jimmy Jam did not tell the truth about Hanama Bay. Because in Hanama Bay, we were kind of snorkeling. And then Jimmy went back because Patty just got new gimmicks. So he had new toys to handle and go play with. And, and my first wife, Claire, was there. And he left me as this current came in. And I was going up and down, literally fighting for my life. And Jimmy goes, oh, look at Michael. He's always fucking showing off. Look at him. He's always got to have attention. Yeah, I need a fucking lifeguard attention. That's the kind of attention I needed. <laughs> you, were bleeding. you were bleeding and everything, weren't you? Yeah. And then he's just laughing on shore. And your snorkel was around your neck and your mask was all hanging down. <laughs> no, he did not help me. Well, I would have loved to see that side. I would just like to see you in the water with a snorkel, Michael. That's what I'd like to see. <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm an awesome snorkeler. Well, guys, well you grew up there in Pete Cola, where it's the uh, greatest water in the, in the golf, man. Yeah. I guess I want to ask if you don't mind something uh, actually very serious. Uh, serious topic, <laughs> you know, since we're on the, the podcast, we might as well go ahead and get this out of the way. How did you guys end up? Naked in a bed together in Lake Charles ordering room service. <laughs> well, first of all, I think Jimmy left a few details out on his initial uh, <laughs> recollection of Jimmy. what happened. But we had worked Alexandria. We went to Tigertown. Jimmy watched me moonwalk into a ceiling fan on a bar. Did he without... warn you? No, no, he didn't warn me at all. He, he elbowed the guy next to him and said, watch this. Um <laughs> But so when we went to the Hilton there right off uh, I-10, they were full and they had no rooms. And so we said, man, are you really sure the guy recognized us? So he looked, they had a big suite. I think it was the governor's suite or something like that, which had this humongous like California King bed. But that's the only bed it had in it. So uh, we both slept naked at the time, um, usually in separate beds. Now, <laughs> that really didn't bother either one of us, but it sure did get a hell of a reaction from the guy that brought us room service in the morning. <laughs> and we ordered tons of room service because you guys know what it's like when you wake up drunk and hungry. 
Um, and so I think Jimmy answered the door naked, told the guy to sign the <laughs> sign the receipt, and then told him to distribute it and jump back into bed where I was already laying. So uh, I guess you could conjure up some, um, what would you say? I'm trying to think how to say this politically correct these days, and I don't know that I can. <laughs> Yeah, you know, all, all of them are stumped on that PC correct stuff. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm searching too, and, and Layfield's the master of words there. He come up with something done. Yeah, I, I, I think it might look like we had a love connection, but that actually wasn't what was happening. I think that time too, you you let go a fart, man, that went like a minute, a minute and a half. Like I never thought it was going to stop, and then it lived for 20 minutes after that. <laughs> so, all that, so, good, so, all that so, good with you before all that, yeah. all that Jaeger Jaeger the night before <laughs> so, so Jimmy was talking about the first time that uh, I was kind of like uh, we didn't have agents back in world class but Manning wasn't there Bronco wasn't there so I was in charge and it was in Abilene Texas which I know you're very familiar with JBL yes, Michael, oh, Michael, Michael let me jump in there who put you in charge who called you and said you're going to be in charge? pretty much fritz fritz oh my god was he in the right state of mind or what <laughs> so anyway i get there early i think sunshine and i drove up but uh jimmy flew up with terry and buddy and um jimmy had already got terry to start reading which he never was fond of in school and terry actually got a a, a, a pilot's license. Now he had to have a licensed pilot with him to fly, kind of like a learner's permit, but he was doing pretty well. And everything was going well. We were going to have a really good house. And then Nick Roberts, if you guys remember that name, um, picked Jimmy and Terry and Bud up in a pickup truck with hay in the back, which is where they had to get. And I think that is what led to the destruction, yeah, the destruction started. of the complete dress, heel dressing room. And it was one of those older ones, if you've ever been in that building, that had this, you know, the big light bulbs all around the mirror, kind of like the old Hollywood stuff. And they made sure they broke every bulb. And now the whole place is a wreck and they take off. And I said, well, shit. I'm by myself. <laughs> well, I'm leaving too. <laughs> and so I left and drove back to Dallas and the Von Erics were left there on their own. They had to wrestle each other. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a sellout. <laughs> it was a sellout. Yeah, the free bird sold out. Yeah. Well, who was uh, back in, who was in charge? Of Gary, Gary Hart was there originally. He left like an 83, right? He got a dispute with uh, Fritz. And then Ken Mantell was the one that was the main booker, right? Yes. Well, actually, Gary quit the day after Christmas, the night we turned uh, in 82, because of the Christmas payoff. And Gary was very influential in, because um, we said, well, you brought us in here. If, if you quit, then we'll quit. And he said, no, no, you should, you should really go down and talk to them. And they, 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 they have good plans for you guys, and you should do very well. So once he gave us the blessing, we did go down. We knew Ken from uh, Louisiana, and uh, we liked him. Uh, 
I think he did one of the best babysitting jobs with Devon Erickson that anybody could have ever done. Um, and cause that, that's what it was. Um, they were so talented, but also, you know, they were a little wild, not that we weren't. And, and then, you know, things just started rolling because once people heard the plays were starting to go and you were getting rid of those guys that were in the moonlight of their careers that had overstayed their welcome, they were great people, but they were just bringing the product down and it needed a youth, uh, and, you know, Infusion. A youth movement. And, and then you've got really good talent going to Dallas. You had Jimmy and, and uh, you know, Sunshine and Precious. You had Chris Adams, Iceman King Parsons. Um, th- th- there was just, you know, a lot of people started coming in. And, you know, that way it, you had a really good variety. Jimmy, Michael, you- Michael, and Jim, Jim, Jimmy, I'm going to address this too. Jimmy, uh, I'm going to ask you because I've heard Michael. How did, how did, because I, I knew Michael and the Freebirds, you know, Buddy and, and, and uh, Terry all, all, all those years, and mostly, mostly Buddy was, you know, and then Bam Bam a little bit later. How, how did, how, how were you brought into the fold and, and, you know, and what, what went into the thinking on this and what were you thinking? When you were yeah, what the hell, what the hell was I thinking, right? <laughs> no, I think, and Michael can help me along with this, but I think back in, in Atlanta, when we were there, uh, Michael and I first met at Tommy Rich's uh, birthday party, right, Michael? No, it was New Year's Eve, Jimmy. I tell oh, you this every time. New, Year, New Year's <laughs> Eve, okay. Well, and Jimmy's we, mother and, and wife had to drag him to his pickup truck, which he fell out from drinking so much moonshine. He fell out of his pickup truck? Yeah, well, it was moving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fell out the door. No moving pickup truck, you yeah. fell out. Yeah, How'd you yeah, fall it was out of the pickup truck? It was, it, was, it was turning. Patty was Patty had to drive because I couldn't drive. I couldn't even hardly walk. And somehow the, the, the door opened up and I plopped out onto the road. <laughs> yeah. So Michael and I be, became friends at that, that, that time. And uh, You guys had a lot in common. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were both crazy and batshit. And, yeah, we'd do anything for a laugh kind of thing. But... Um, I was always kind of, and then we went to, to, we ran into each other in Texas, right, Michael? Is that, was yeah. that kind of the next big time? Yeah, then, yeah like, like, like we hit it off really great. We liked the same things. Um, Jimmy didn't stay in Georgia long because he didn't like the way we were being treated, but at least he uh, pulled Ralph Freed's punk card one time in Charleston, West Virginia, when uh, Ralph came over there and the place was going to be sold out. And he saw us all having some afternoon cocktails, a happy hour, if you will. And he tried to chastise us for it. And Jimmy told him basically to go screw himself. And that, uh, and he told the people at the bar, he said, Hey, listen, he said, I guarantee you, we can fill your bar up tonight. And they said, no, not on this night. I forget which night it was. We never get anybody in here. He said, if we fill your bar up, will you give us free drinks all night? They said, you're on. So at the end of the night, Tommy said where we were staying, and it was like the Beatles, because you'll remember in Charleston, and I think at Parkersburg, too, they had like two holiday inns, and the heels would stay in one, and the babies were in the other, and we ran like hard day's night from the Civic Center across and through the Hills Hotel to the uh, Babyface Hotel, and the place that they couldn't get everybody in, so we drank for free. Yeah, that's just what we needed. But anyway, when I went to Texas, <laughs> when, when I went to Texas, uh, Sunshine and I, Michael and the birds were there already, and uh, they had an apartment, and um, I got an apartment across the street, uh, 
And I don't know why. I, don't, I never went to it. I never no, you always stayed at our place. It was fully furnished and everything. And uh, <laughs> Sunshine, had, Sunshine had her own apartment. And I had the apartment because I was getting ready for my family to come in later on in a, in a month or two after I got settled in, so to speak. Uh, so I got settled in. I stayed over at the Freebirds uh, apartment. And uh, that was quite a place because uh, there was Buddy and myself and Terry. We all we all bunked up there. And it, holy smokes. Telling the story, Michael, about when Terry couldn't find the key. Uh, we, that, is, is, that, is that is that the apartment and you get get to get to the keys right away but is that the apartment that michael that you told me is you guys uh demoed yes okay. yes, yes okay. what, what happened to the keys and get to the demolition yeah yeah well long, long story short and i told this story at the hall of fame is uh we had just got the apartment it's first time the three of us had a place together and uh we just come back from the sportatorium and had there was a bunch of uh, Georgia rodeo guys that were out there. They were working as maintenance men at the apartment complex, but they were really out there to ride rodeo. And Texas is, if you want to ride rodeo, Texas is the place to be. Um, I guess Oklahoma as well. But no, no, no just, just, uh, just Texas. <laughs> just Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, birds, back of birds flying upside down in Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, nobody could find the key. We're looking, looking. Terry gets uh, uh, frustrated and loses patience. And he says, oh, I found the key. And he just hauls back and kicks the door right off its hinge. First night. I mean, not repairable. And we had thousands and thousands of dollars in outfits in there. And then we I remember, remember we had, we knew the maintenance guy that one of the, we knew all the maintenance guys around there, but we knew the guy that handled the electrical part. And we, we always kept the apartment about, you know, 63 degrees or the, it, as close to freezing as we could get it because it would hit, if you drank the amount of Jack Daniels that we consumed and all the time at parts of the day, along with other little appetizers to go with it, um, you had to have it. Really <laughs> Is that what you kids call it now, appetizers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah well, anyway so we had to, it had to be really really cold in there but the electric bill was like crazy so there, we had the guy switch our electric current with the guy upstairs he had a family he had a wife and kids and everything and we met we met him one day he's coming down the stairs he says my god he says have y'all got y'all's electric bill yet and we went no not yet he says mine was like four hundred dollars was all this ours was like ours was like 80 bucks or something like that but it's because the, the maintenance guy switched the power. Remember that, Michael? Yeah, I do. And, and there's actually a little bit more to that story. I'm trying to see how I can tell it because <laughs> this guy lived upstairs with, with his girlfriend and uh, their her, her little daughter, and they were always trying to save money so they wouldn't hardly use their air. And they put the fan in the window, the fan in the door to try to cool it off. And uh, sometimes uh, we would go to him and um, get a distribution from him, and we would feel that he would overcharge us. So obviously a receipt and a comeback was warranted, and boy, did we hit him. <laughs> so the hookup was upstairs. Yeah, there you go. And, then, and, and, and they end up burnt. And how about, did, is that buddy did his first backflip on the furniture there? And then and he is, and they caught it, put it in the, we put it in the fireplace. fireplace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did a big ass bump on it. And, th and then he looks at us and goes, We didn't drink coffee anyway, guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> he, he destroyed the coffee table and then burned it in the fireplace. And that, they called it all that's all in the first night of staying in the apartment. Yeah. How long did you guys end up staying there? We stayed there until um, we stayed two weeks after they uh, killed the electricity uh, because we said, well, hell, we don't get here tonight time and then we close our eyes. <laughs> so we'll be okay. Um, and then they were turning the apartments into condos. So they were combining the top apartment and the bottom apartment. We had the bottom one and we woke up and literally somebody was drilling in the concrete living room floor. And I woke Terry up. I said, I think it's time we go. And I, and I, and I had to, I left before that. And, uh, Patty, my, my brother was driving Patty to Texas with, uh, with, uh, uh, one of my daughters, the other one, the other one hadn't come yet. And uh, actually I was walking down Irving Boulevard uh, and Patty uh, drove by me and didn't even recognize me. Cause was I was Bree, so Bree saw you. That, uh, Bree and mama, that neither one of them could recognize me because I was so tore up from the floor up living with the birds for a couple of months that I didn't even look the same. He had lost like 20 pounds. <laughs> and you I didn't know, even lose any you, weight. You guys were so over then. John, John was, you know, was telling me John, and then you know, you know, he's a, he's a young kid, but he was a college boy just growing up in in Texas at the time. The free birds were really getting hot and everything, and just starting into the business. And and John, uh, the the thrill that you you were telling me about the first time that you were in actually in the ring with with, well, with a couple birds. times the last battery match i think uh last battery match was on june 3rd 1994 the reason i know that was because i was married for the first time on june 4th 1994 the the day after so it was mixed up on tv i was supposed to be a week before i'm, I'm going to work for auto i'm got, got a loser leaves town match and Got the free birds and a bad street match. So we're driving up after rehearsal dinner, driving up to the sportatorium. My college roommates are all hammered and they're going, You're wrestling the free birds, right? I said, Yeah, wrestling the free birds. They're, they're tough. I said, Yeah, they're tough. Said, well, you need something to take to the ring. I said, Yeah, I need something. So he pulled over his truck and ran over a stop sign. And that's what I took to the ring with me. <laughs> was my stop sign and drinking. Jimmy and, and Michael spent the whole time trying to bust me open with something so my wedding pictures would look bad. Finally, they got me the black eyed. <laughs> Guys, please, I got wedding pictures tomorrow. They're going to hit me with stuff trying. But the first time, Jerry, you asked me, uh, talk about the, the one of the thrills of my life, and, and I'm dead serious about this. I was out there, I think, with Carrie, it may have been with Murdoch, but I'm, I think with Carrie. And Bad Street's playing, and they come down that aisle at the Sportatorium, and that place went ballistic. I can feel it. I can see it to this day. They were so freaking over. And as a kid who watched them all the time I was in, say, high school and college, and then get to be in the ring with the Von Eric when the free birds are coming down, I'm like, I can die today. It's, I'm done. It's all over with. They were that over in the state of Texas. It was unbelievable. The times that before that, say from 82 to 86, that's when the Freebirds and Von Erichs, man, anything you put their name on, sold out. Michael, y'all had, had to look back at that time and just smile uh, about how great business was. I do. I do. And sometimes I'll go back and, and, and watch some stuff and relive it. Um, probably not as much as you think. 
but it all happened so quick. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's over so quick. And, you, you know, I, it's like I, I was on a podcast the other day and, and I was telling them that uh, I really miss Terry and Buddy and not being able to do things with them now. Um, and I'm sure Gerald can relate and you can relate and, and, and Jimmy misses them as well. But like I miss like doing some of these autograph things um, that I know they would enjoy to do and just to get back together and, and bullshit and Jimmy make Buddy mad. Because Jimmy, nobody could make Buddy madder than Jimmy. And just like we did an autograph session, I'm, I'm digressing here, years ago in Charlotte. And so Buddy was there and Jimmy and Patty were doing something a little separate. And Buddy was getting honored. And uh, oh, I was, Jack there. was there. Jack was there too, wasn't he? Who? Wasn't Jack there? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. And he was there. So me and Jimmy were so good at rallying him up. And so – I made sure that Buddy heard this, but he wasn't supposed to hear it. And I said, Jimmy, have you got your 10 grand yet? And he goes, <laughs> he, he, he goes, no, but I better get it off. And so all of a sudden it's silent, right? And Buddy goes, uh, excuse me, uh, just out of curiosity, what, what, what are y'all getting for this show? <laughs> and I, I go, oh, you know, it's okay. It's, 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 it's about what we normally get. <laughs> we danced around and finally we go 10 grand. 10 grand! I'm getting 500! <laughs> <laughs> Michael, remember the time me and Ron got buddy drunk in Nashville and you had to ride back with him to Atlanta? Yes, I do. Jeez, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, Jimmy, this is great. Buddy's back in the dressing room. and love Buddy, man. You know, he's the ultimate heel. One of the greatest heels of all time, as you guys know. And we're sitting back there. We got some beer and stuff. So we're sitting there feeding him. And I mean feeding him booze because he's got to ride back with Michael to Atlanta. <laughs> I go saw us the next week and just flipped us off. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, well, you know what it's like riding with Buddy Jack. And, you know, if you can start with Buddy, if you could start and make the progress along with him, it wasn't near as bad. If he's got that much of a head start, there's no way to catch him. No way. <laughs> Gotcha. And I think back to my wedding. Do you guys not feel bad about ruining my wedding pictures? No, no. Actually, what I feel better about is when you came back from uh, Otto's and you had the busted knee and then you went in the shower when we were in the shower. And as we left, we turned the shower off. Oh, yeah, I mean, the lights off. We turned the lights off. You got to understand, we're, we're in some labyrinth of freaking a high school gymnasium or something, and I come back and I need some work, so I got, I'm on crutches, I've blown out my knee, I'm out there with Skandor Akbar, and I hobble back to the shower, it's floor, it's slippery, and I'm you know trying not to fall down because I crutches, bad wheel, get in the shower, and it took forever to get back there. You turn right, turn left, go straight, turn at the hall, finally get in the shower and get in there. And you guys turned out the lights for the entire building and left. <laughs> Buck naked. I can't find my towel. I can't find my way out. And you guys drove to the next town. Yes. Yes. yes Quickly. Quickly. <laughs> Do you know if you played a rib on somebody like that today, there may be uh, legal consequences? Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. And I sure and for sure somebody would be leaving uh, leaving work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Daily occurrences back in the day. 
the things that, that all four of us got by with back in those days. I mean, nowadays we'd, we'd, I mean, you can't even get to the first chapter. The, can't even get out of the forward in uh, today's uh, compared to what we did back. And I'm not saying these guys are, these guys are the greatest athletes that come along and, and ever and can do anything you ask them to do. But, uh, you know, these stories that we share here with, with you guys, I mean, that's that's the root of their business and you know that's something that i hope never gets lost with these young guys that they're able to tell and whatever type of verbiage they have is to tell the stories uh, of the camaraderie and the friendship but like jim and michael we go so far back it's unbelievable and john you know from your your beginning days uh, and we we've all formed a friendship with guys and it, it's so much fun and all those road trips that we had to make i mean you know you mentioned parkersburg a little bit earlier in the day i mean what a sore we i mean every little podunk town there is in texas or oklahoma or kansas or west virginia we got we got a story about that town so i got a story about parkersburg uh we go there we had a really good house we were coming off the tbs tv and um, like I said, they had one hotel, which was pretty much where the baby faces stayed and one where the heels stayed. Where the heels stayed, there was this Las Vegas uh, review, for lack of a better term, but a real big show for, a, you know, a hotel bar. So after the show, we go there. Now, Gerald is vice president of Georgia Championship Wrestling and in charge of not only the show and creative, he's also in charge of the house, more importantly, the money. So we, I think the house was like $33,000, $35,000, which is really cash. big cash, cash back then. So Gerald has this. We go to the show. We invite the guys to come back. They come back. Uh, they're in our room. By this time, Gerald and I are it's, – it's, uh, it's midnight hour, and, and we definitely look, feel like midnight hour. Um, prior to this, as we were checking in – Tommy Rich made the big mistake of walking in front of the car while Gerald was driving. And Gerald wanted to drive the car up the steps because you know how mountainous uh, West Virginia is. Uh, instead of driving up the steps, Gerald ran over Tommy, which, <laughs> which of course, Tommy was feeling no pain either. And he didn't sell it at all. He's well, kind of broke off the windshield. To that story, though, Michael, you said up. Bet you won't run over Tommy Rich. Now, now get this. Tommy Rich is, is our franchise. Tommy Rich is, is our ever-loving franchise. This kid, this kid is the hottest thing that there, and I'll, I'll make a bold statement, the hottest thing there was probably in the business history up to that time, Mary. I mean, definitely. And so, uh, so we're, we're both, like you said, you know, we're, we're good boys got driving back and we, we hit the hotel across the street after, you know, we're, where's the nearest bar? It's across the street. There's another holiday, but Tommy is already checking in. He's walking up these steps to get to the main part of the hotel. Michael elbows, I bet you won't run over Tommy. I frick you, man. I put that damn Lake of Continental down and drive and I hit it. Those tires are squealing. The next thing we can see is Tommy Rich's bright eyes looking at us as he's coming over the hood and over the damn top of the damn uh, damn uh, roof of that damn Lincoln Continental. He lands in the back, lays there. P.S. elbows me. I think you might have killed wildfire. 
Jack on him. So we no, jump it's... out of the damn car. By the time we get to the back of the car, Tommy is shaking it off, laughing. We gonna go get something to drink? <laughs> he knows sold it perfectly. Yeah. But but, but the, the biggest part of the night to me was so now Gerald has the thirty something thousand dollars cash in a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist because nobody's going to get this. Now the, the the band comes back to our room and, and everything's fine until of course there's always one idiot that asks the most stupid question, you know, and isn't all that stuff fake? Well, that did not sit well with Mr. Briscoe. And uh, Mr. Briscoe challenged anybody that could take him down. He would give them the contents of the briefcase. Okay. Gerald can't friggin' stand up. <laughs> and trust me, I just looked and laughed. And one of those laughs that lets you know, somebody be stupid enough to try this. And nobody tried it. Y'all Yo, have too many appetizers. <laughs> we could have used a little more to get yeah, Gerald to his feet. <laughs> I think we found some more. You, you, guys do realize, you guys do realize that's a felony to run over somebody with a car? Not in West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia, it's called sport. And not after 11 o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> hey, I love Ricky Steamboat. One time he was telling me a story. He said, well, he said it was about nine or 10 in the morning. And he said, I was getting all my stuff together to go to the gym and have a workout before I rode. And he said, I got outside and I was putting my stuff in my car. And he said, Jack and Jerry Briscoe pulled up and they were just getting home from a night out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was after going like a, two, a double shot with Ricky and Jay going an hour and did each shot. And uh, so we went out with Wahoo. Our Yahoo, as, you, as Jimmy used to call him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we come in about 10, just as Ricky was going to the gym, we were pulled into our apartments. Hey, Jay Youngblood never got the recognition he deserved. I mean, I think he did back then and the people that worked with him, but it didn't carry on into history. And that's a shame. That's a shame. To this day, I people ask me, I, you know, and uh, – Ricky, Ricky, I mean, I and I, yeah, you can't take anything away from Ricky Simba. Ricky was the captain of a team, but sometimes I think that rudder was Jay. Uh, Jay, but Jay, Jay, you know, his, his family lineage, I mean, he'll go way back to the beginning of Texas wrestling, you know, El Paso and all that stuff, you know. And so, uh, Jay, Jay had a really good business mind. So the two of them together and, and, uh, and Jay, I always say Jay's the most underrated guy. And during that, that, that era of any guy that, that I ever stepped in the ring with the guy could go and he, and he, they never missed when one was in there. We really couldn't tell who was in the ring as a worker because they're both so, so good and so smooth, but you're right, Michael, he is underrated and, and the guy should be, yeah, you get every accolade, be in every Hall of Fame there is. Michael, in, uh, you, you mentioned one time we talked before, uh, we were on the WWE Network, uh, that in 1984, Fritz had talked about merging with Vince McMahon. I'd never heard that before, and I was watching it back uh, yesterday, just trying to get ready for, for the show here, and I missed that. 
you know, David died, I think, February 10th, 1984. And you said maybe if David hadn't, David hadn't died, maybe that would have worked out because Kerry and Kevin didn't really care about anything but wrestling. And Fritz was more territorial minded, didn't really want to expand nationally. Was there talk of Fritz merging with Vince? You, you know, there was, but it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was, it was very uh, subdued talk and was up in the higher echelons. It only trickled down to us probably after it was done, but before Vince Sr. died, um, I, I know that Fritz uh, really liked Vince Sr. and the feeling was mutual. Um, and uh, there was talk of a merger, which would really give them most of the country when you consider their TVs. Um, because Dallas uh, World Class Championship Wrestling had a really good syndicated record there at the time. Um, but it didn't materialize. I don't know why. I think Fritz pulled back the reins. That may have been from Kevin and Kerry, but that would be just speculation. I think uh, I, I think it would have been a good thing, but, you know, it, it didn't pan out. Um, it, it obviously panned out for Vince Jr. And, and maybe it was his father getting sick and Vince Jr. didn't want to expand um, with the Von Erichs. Um, cause there was always stories about the Von Erics that might make you a, a, a little certain about becoming a business partner with them. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. That was a story of my life. It's like when we were on TBS the first time and it was ready to go and, you know, we were so hoping Jim Barnett would go. And the only place he would go was where nobody was running at all, like Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia, uh, and, and if he would have been like Vince McMahon Jr. back in the early 80s when he took over, Jim Barnett would have put a lot of people out of business with TBS. Michael, that was the key to Jack and I's defection was because we couldn't get any of that to go because that's what we wanted to go. We saw, we saw what was going on up north, and we saw all that. And we, we had partners that was – that old blood uh, oath of the NWA, you know, I won't, I won't take his territory. I won't work on his territory. My TV won't infringe on his TV. I mean, those guys, they, you got to respect that. They had such a tight bond for this business, but it was only the promoters that had to bond. I mean, screw the boys, but the promoters were tight like that, you know, and, uh, and, and they kept it going. And, and Jack and I saw that, but uh, you're right. Uh, uh, Vince was getting ready to go, and uh, Barnett, you know, hey, well, the only reason we went up to Michigan and Ohio, West Virginia, that was a dead territory because Sheik had killed it with his territory. And when we, when I went up there and opened that damn thing up, the biggest uh, objects that I would run into was Owen, you know, when I wanted to do a promotion with a TV station or a, or a radio station, Sheik owed them hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and, and so they looked at us as the same same thing that the Sheik was. And I'd pull out that TBS sack. I said, this is how many homes we're in. You think we can afford to uh, to screw you around where we're here to do business, you know, on a permanent basis. But, you know, we're, as you know, because you are a huge part of it, we're selling out every one of those damn states that would just, you know, we go up there every two weeks and we knew that was a sellout for the weeks that we were up there. That's where you made your money was on the Northern Tours. Exactly. If we had had those Northern Tours, I mean, Vent probably would have had to pay a heck of a lot less money than what he paid Jack and I to get get that place. <laughs> but, but you know what, Gerald? I've always wondered 
Okay, I, I respect the oath, the bond um, that all the promoters had to an extent, but I've always felt, and I might be wrong, but this is how I felt, that it was Barnett that wouldn't go, but had Watts had that television, had, oh. uh, had Eddie Graham had that television, had any other promoter had that television, I think they would have gone. Well, Mike, who do you think our mentor was on doing that? It was Eddie Graham, and we told we, we told Eddie what was doing. He said uh, he said he said you better, and, and he gave us some good advice. He said you better sell Florida along with it, and and that was the last deal. And we thought Vince was going to back out of our deal when we threw Florida in the mix to sell that too, you know, because uh, Eddie knew what was coming. But Eddie had given us some because we told Eddie, you know, Eddie, back then we got, and I think you saw it. We we get. It was TBS. Every week they'd come out with a booklet about, about five inches thick. It'd have every little market in the United States. If TBS was in 25 mar or five markets in a city, that city was listed. So, of course, it was listed from the top. So I would just go to the top and see where our, our greatest penetration in these cities were. And I tell you that the penetration was so deep in, in most of these cities. Cleveland, for one. I mean... Yeah, I'll hot that time. Columbus, Ohio, you know, uh, the only one that we didn't have a deep commitment in, uh, uh, penetration in was Detroit. And we never, we never really ran Detroit proper. We always ran the, uh, the Saginaw's and uh, uh, Grand Rapids and all that. But yeah, it, it, it was, it was something. And, and, but that's, that's what really precipitated uh, the sale that Jack and I did because our partners didn't want to expand like, uh, like that. And who knows, you know, but Vince had the machine or Vince had, 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 uh, had everything working in his favor and he was in the medium market. And plus he's just a brilliant man. So uh, I, you know, we made the right decision when, when we did that, when we did that sell, so, but that, that's the reason we did it because our partnership didn't want to expand any more than what we were expanding and they didn't want to step on each other. Hey, Jimmy, I heard you were a, a big fan of uh, Barnett. Uh, I read that online. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't did you ever run in with Barnett? I mean, I, I heard that when they got the Florida territory, you were coming down there and was it Barnett that you had to fall out with? No, it was um, Barnett loved him. Barnett, I, Bar, Barnett, uh, I never got along with too many promoters at all, actually. But um, the only deal I, I worked for Barnett in '74 in Atlanta, and then I worked again with uh, when when uh, WCW uh, when NWA, you know, WCW came about when Turner bought uh, Crockett. In seventy in seventy eight or something like that, wasn't it? Or eighty eight or eighty seven or something like 76, that. Seventy six, I'm wrong. When they when they bought, so it was then when I, when I made the transition. That's when I wasn't included on the team with the WCW team, and I quit for two years. And right. then that's why right. right. that's right. 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 heat over you and uh, Barnett or not? No, there was no heat. With, Don't with get Barnett. on. Just asking. No, I know. I, I uh, John, John, as far as I can remember, Jimmy, Jimmy was a gorgeous young man, and Jim Barnett loved Jimmy Garvin. I mean, he loved his look. He loved his talent. He loved his work. He used to come down, my boy, why aren't we using Jimmy Garvin more? Why aren't we doing bigger things with, with Jimmy? Hell, Jimmy was just going over my brother to become Florida heavyweight champion. We, we felt we were doing everything we could with Jimmy in Florida. 
And, uh, you know, we were asking Barnell, why aren't you pushing him up there? But, uh, Hell, Jerry, I, I've got a, a Rizat that still wants uh, Jimmy. <laughs> well, that was Barnett Jimmy there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, I never I never really was too close to any of the, the promoter type. Why can't I hear anybody? You can't hear us, Michael? Michael can't. <laughs> you're, not Michael. To be, you're not supposed to be pushing buttons. Good. <laughs> Good way to talk to Jimmy there for a while. Jimmy, now yeah. Michael can't hear you. Tell us about his his, his habit for Jägermeister. Oh Lord, he got Jägermeister Jägermeister on his Cheerios if he if he let him, you know. Isn't that the most rock gut stuff you ever had? You can't drink with Michael Hayes unless you take a couple of shots of Jäger. I know, I know. We yeah, that's the truth. And I we've had a few shots together too. Well, look at him. What's he trying to do with those glasses on and everything? <laughs> he's trying to figure out why he's muted. We nobody <laughs> has that. What did you touch? What did you touch, Hayes? Didn't you hear us, Hayes? Hey, Jimmy. While we're trying to get Michael back on, you were the <laughs> you you were the first with a valet, right? I mean, after you came Dusty and Baby Doll. After you came uh, Macho Man and Elizabeth. But uh, you were the first yeah. to you. I would say the first that that made that sold uh, put asses in seats or sold tickets. Uh, with myself and Sunshine and 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 then you know they they were other ones like remember uh, and Jerry you probably remember that one, there was a guy in Alabama he was from England he had a ballet but they oh never uh, had yeah that, uh, yeah all I'm uh, not all but uh, uh, yeah Miss shooter. Sherry Miss Sherry uh, the old guy uh, oh you're not, you're not I, I want to say Adonis but it wasn't Adonis but it was yeah guy like, Bobby Shane Bobby Shane had one too. And, but yeah, Bobby Shane really, had Miss Sherry down here in like in the sixties, but they never did. It wasn't the time for it. I get. I mean, it wasn't recognized. I, I just happened to have it, uh, John. Like you know, as far as it, when when I made had the gimmick, it was pushed, and therefore it, it pushed in the right way, and, and it did 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 well. And then uh, Vince, Adrian Street, <laughs> Adrian Street, exactly. And then Vince wanted me to come to New York when when I left when I when I instead I went to uh, Vern, but I told Vince uh, I went to Vern instead. And then that's when uh, that's when uh, Brandy Savage and Miss Elizabeth was created because I didn't go to Vince. I went to to Vern. But it's just you know I was basically the first one to have had to to make promoters money with the gimmick, and and to pick up a little little buck myself here and there. How did it work out with you? You had creative control, uh, what I read, with uh, Ken Mantell over your character. Was that right? Well, How did that yeah, work out? I would, we were heavily in, really heavily into it. Michael was there as well. And, and we were, Michael was in the, in the, in the, a lot of decision making with a lot of the talent there with Kenny. He worked hand in hand with Kenny. And with, when, when I went there, and even when I went to, to AWA, I kept control of what the angle was going to be and how it would kind of, how it would kind of, I, I would tell them this is how it needs to go. And as long as it worked and if we were making money, nobody said anything and it always did work and it always did make money. We never, we never bombed out or, you know, didn't, you know, whenever the girls were involved, like with Chris Adams, you know, in Texas, that was the amazing thing about Texas. And, I, and Michael and I have talked about this before. If you took a regular card on a Friday night or whatever in, in Dallas, you had a main event almost from the very first match, if not the first match, from the second match on, any one of those matches could be a, a, have been a main event. 
because you know you had the birds there at the same time you had chris and i and the girls there at the same time and those two those two uh angles could carry a territory with no problem and but to have both of those angles run at the same time and then you would spin off Iceman against buddy in, in these hair matches and still have Chris and I working and still have Terry and Michael working against the other two brothers. So you had three matches that were, would be a main event anywhere in the country and would probably sell out anywhere in the country in those days. So, yeah, the, but the girl, the girl thing as far as being the first, I think I was the first to really get it to where then everybody came along after that and everybody had a ballet and it didn't mean nothing and and it still don't mean nothing. I mean, now, I mean, it don't mean nothing more. I mean, it was good for the time, you know. The angle between uh, Sunshine and Precious in Dallas and, and it was it was just tremendous. And, you know, and, and, and with Wahoo and, and you know, Wahoo and uh, Patty or Precious here in, in North Carolina was, uh, and Ric Flair and Patty, you know, when they did the thing with uh, Miss Atlanta Lively and, that whole angle there. I mean, that, that was the, the, the ballet thing was hot. It was a hot gimmick. I'm back. Oh, <laughs> what the hell? Where'd you go, Michael? Jerry, you, you got to baby us. What we got to film is the technology problems we have with all of those old guys doing with this technology. Stan Hansen took us an hour. Tim White, the referee, got so mad at us, he hasn't even talked to us since. <laughs> Freebird's out. And Freebird actually works for a company that actually has a very big digital presence around the world called WWE. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't touch Funny no buttons. Freebird. Don't touch okay. no buttons. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hands-free Zoom call. <laughs> Michael, why, right. did it take, why did it take so long for music to get into wrestling? You guys were the first ones to bring uh, rock music in, you know, Gorgeous George had uh, pomp and circumstance, and you had, uh, uh, you know, Big Daddy over in the uh, UK had some music. Uh, Kendo Nagasaki, the Peter Thornley, the UK wrestler, had it, but nobody had it in the states really after Gorgeous George. Why did it take so long for that to happen? Because now you can't imagine wrestling without it. Well, I, you know, everybody's got their own feelings. I, you know, I know Lawler would use it on special occasions in Memphis. I saw Randy Savage before he got up to uh, New York use uh, Macho Man by the Village People maybe once or twice on a live event. Um, but I, you know, I don't think the the older promoters were looking to garner the younger crowd. Um, I think they were happy with their you know regular rats and weren't trying to get mainstream. And you know, I've said it a million times when I was putting up the ring as I started. And, I'd go to concerts, I'd go to wrestling, and I'd see a lot of the same people, and I knew there was a marriage there. Um, and, you know, we just finally wouldn't give up. Hell, it took me two years to get Bam Bam degree. <laughs> but um, Jerry Jarrett was the first one that uh, allowed us to do it. And uh, and then Bill Watson was the first one to put it on TV, and it made me feel so friggin' stupid. Because I was so happy that we got to use it in a house show. I never thought about putting it on TV where millions see it, dumbass. Um, but, yeah, what, you know, it's like anything else in, in our business and probably any business or life itself. Soon as one person does it because you didn't have the balls to do it yourself, then everybody jumps on it. Within six months, everybody had some kind of entrance on. 
So you two guys, uh, Jimmy Garvin, famously, his first uh, wrestling interview with Gordon Soldier was nine years old at the Florida Sportatorium when he was amateur wrestling. Michael, you started as a teenager as well and went to Bam Bam uh, with Frankie Kane, I think it was, in Mississippi. He started right. with, uh, John Tatum helped you break in. His father was running, I guess, uh, there in Pensacola. So you guys both had pretty much a misspent youth, right? So instead of going to algebra class, you guys were, were going to house shows. Well, and, and, and you know what? That stayed uh, in the process as we grew older. Um, you know that big steakhouse in Amarillo that uh, if, if you can eat the whole steak, it's free? Yeah, Big Texan. Yeah. So we, we were uh, working Amarillo one night, and uh, we stayed at their hotel. It was me and Bud, Jimmy and uh, Sunshine, and we had adjoining rooms. And lo and behold, the guy that owned that Big Texan, his son, was a former kind of well-known hockey player in the locally, and he was trying to get into wrestling. Well, after the show, we invited him over. We went to the restaurant. I'm sure we had bottles of Jack and brought some back with us. And so me and Valerie were sitting there talking about something, and all of a sudden I hear, pow! What was that? Pow! And I hear this guy screaming, Jimmy and Buddy had taken out the old surgical rubber hoses that she stretched with, and we're just beating the hell out of this boy, seeing if he can take the punishment that it would take to be a professional wrestler. And and the guy thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah he was taking it too, man. He was taking. He, he, we beat him to death, man. He didn't. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He never broke in either, but you know, he never, he never gave up. Again, I, I'm pretty sure that's a felony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, be hey, careful Michael. there, Mr. Uh, Layfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, don't throw stones in a glass house. Uh. Michael, what's that story about? What's that story? Was it Amarillo? Where was we when we watched the planes take off? That was his next morning. Oh, was that the next morning? Yeah. Oh, so that tell it ties it. You tell a great story anyway. So, so what happened the next morning? When well, we well all, all I remember was like we kept waking up and then we had Jack there. So ooh, that's a great breakfast. And we would start having cocktails. And then we would go, well, our plane leaves in an hour. And we'd have a couple more cocktails and joke about this and that. And next thing, hey, there goes our plane. <laughs> it just took off oh call up southwest and get booked on the next one say that we repeated that for two or three times um and then we finally went on to wherever we were supposed to be we ran but, out of jack we had to leave the room we had to go get more <laughs> hey, hey what hey remember san antonio tell the one in san antonio when we we we, we traveled on southwest a lot uh back then because first of all, you can fly for like twenty bucks. Wasn't it Houston and the Bob Roop story? Yeah, okay, Houston. That's what it was. And the Bob Roop story. Yeah, tell that story. That's a good. One. So, so uh, Bob Roop is an agent uh, at for uh, WCW, and we're running the Sam Houston Coliseum. Jimmy has to be back in Charlotte for some court case or something, and yeah. so you know we were like booked as a semi-main event. And if he didn't go on first, we he wouldn't we wouldn't catch the flight he needed to catch. So we thought we explained this to Bob, and he was acquiescing and agreed. Uh, and we liked Bob Roop a lot, and I know you know him very well, Gerald. But we really got along with him. Well, 
we go out to the ring and he's standing back where the boys do. And we go out doing our strutting and the, the music comes up. There's steam coming out of his ears because he thought we blatantly just ignored his authority. And then when we came back, he was so mad and he was in the middle of cussing us out and we had already had our bags packed and we just packed and we left and man, out the door we were. So we get to the airport and I have one of my uh, half shirts on, as Bradshaw says, I dress differently. And so some smart ass on Southwest said, you can't get on with that shirt. I said, well, I got down here with the shirt. What was it? Well, I don't know who let you on one of our planes with that shirt. That's not a shirt. That doesn't even hardly cover up your chest. I'm sorry, you can't get on. So luckily enough, I was carrying my gear. I put that rebel flag robe on. (laughs) It's the only thing I had to cover myself. And I just let it go. I strutted onto that daggone plane. And and we had more Jack Daniels. (laughs) That was never a good thing because on Southwest back then, it was so cheap. It was like 25 bucks. They had late flights, but they also had business flights when you take it to the town. And on business flights, drinks were free. Yeah. They had that down here in Florida, and we used to catch that late. Jim, remember that late flight out of Miami? And uh, that that, that was the scene. You know, everybody was trying to get out of Miami Beach, so I think it was like an 11.45 flight uh, back to Tampa on Southwest Airlines. I think uh, regular it was $19. Then they, they have those own cell flights, you know, for $9.99. You know what I mean? 10 bucks to, to fly yeah. to Miami and back, you know. So we all jumped. But Michael, I, I, got, I got a question that, that's been burning, you know, the course of history for me because it, it kind of facilitated Jack and I getting back in the ring. How did you get fired by Andre the Giant? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I did not get fired by Andre the Giant, though it makes a great story and a great legend. What happened was um, we were, well, first of all, when we came to New York, we did, we thought our stuff didn't stink. So, and Terry was uh, falling in love for the first time in his life, and he really didn't want to leave Texas, so that was not good. Um, but he didn't care because New York had alcohol too. Um, so, so we weren't in a synergy like we were in Texas, but anyway, we were doing a loop in Ohio and for some inexplicable reason, we checked in, we got in the car, I was drinking beer and taking pills, which I was not, never a big pill taker, but I thought we were off that day. You're in Ohio. (laughs) We pull up to the high school, and I go, what are we doing here? And Terry goes, we're working. Working? I can't work. So it happened. You got that right. (laughs) (laughs) That had nothing to do with pills. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I didn't have to. (laughs) They did the work. I just talked, and we sold out. Um, So Andre was the agent for the first time. So Terry and Buddy are trying to help me down the stairs. It's one of those old high school gyms. And Andre's playing cards. He's already halfway into his gallon of wine, okay? And he's playing cards, and he looks at me. He goes, he drunk. And Terry and Buddy, just like a a freaking comedy, they both throw their hands up and go, no, he's not. And once they let me go, I go, ass in the tea kettle over over this bench. Uh, We did work that night. I tried to do my top rope thing. 
my toes hit the top rope. So I had a nosedive landing, not a good night. Then I called Vince on my own and stooged myself off because nobody had stooged me off about it. And eventually when we uh, were going to Japan, um, I called because we walked out on them, which was not received very well. And, and, <laughs> yeah, buddy, and buddy, buddy and Terry, I mean, Buddy and myself went back to finish out our dates. We had already had a Japan date booked when we decided to go to New York. And uh, at the time, it seemed like everything was okay with me and Vince. We met in Toronto and shook hands. But then I was calling the office as we were headed to Japan, I think when I landed in LA and uh, George Scott was a booker and he said, Vince doesn't trust you. Uh, so there's no way he's not hiring you back. So now Andre may have said fire us, but Andre officially didn't fire us. Vince did. Was that before or after you fell asleep when you were having a meeting with Vince? Uh, that was probably uh, after the firing came after the uh, quick nap. <laughs> You fell asleep in a meeting with Vince? Uh, well, yes. well, it was a, first of all, it was a, a night meeting. Um, and, oh, uh, <laughs> it was in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, it was in Ohio. And, you know, we were right outside the hotel bar. And uh, yeah, I dozed off for a second. It's just a nap. <laughs> We've all taken them. This was just like the wrong time. It was a power nap as Vince used to take them all the time, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's all you were thinking is that Vince power now. You'd yeah. be talking to Vince in the back of a limo, and all of a sudden you'd be talking. You'd look over at him; he'd be passed out. <laughs> take him one of it. Take wake up five minutes later and start exactly where he had left off. <laughs> but I don't think you had that capability, Michael. No, no, no. And and you know what I found out as I've gotten older that sleep is not the enemy, and it's also <laughs> free. It don't cost you nothing to go to sleep. You feel better when you wake up. Why didn't one of y'all smarten me up to this years ago, Jimmy? Michael, that was right before WrestleMania, wasn't it? Uh, when when Andre fired you? Um, uh, he didn't fire me. You were going to be the rock and roll guy going. Yeah, yeah. We we had a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar record deal with Electric Records. I was. And we'd already done some stuff with uh, Dave Wolf and Cindy Lauper. Um, but yeah, we blew that. And, you know, <laughs> I, I truly believe that that was meant to be. Um, I have a, a kind of a weird way of looking at this, but when I look back on my career, I think it was directed by God a lot. Uh, I know that anything I do now, like, you know, all the finishes I'm able to come up with, I'm not that good by myself. I have to have help and it's gotta be him. Um, so, you know, long story short, you, you never thought that uh, that thing would change. And then here you go. I've been Vince's, one of his right-hand men for 20 years. So, you, you know, one door closes, another one opens, or you come back and kick it open. I don't know. You know, Gerald was very instrumental in helping me get back. Um, and, and Pat, I just can't. Pat taught me more than he ever knew he taught me. Um, and, and he endorsed me to Vince. Gerald endorsed me to Vince. And, uh, you know. I'm still here, and, and I'm sleeping now. And you're sleeping, and it don't cost you. And Andre's not firing you, but what what happened on that? When you guys got fired, you know, George, as you said, George Scott was the booker, and uh, 
George, you know, we're the one, Jack and I got George the job with Vance Jr. to, to be the booker up there. So when you guys uh, checked out and Andre fired you, George <laughs> called us to come in and take your place. Well, Jack didn't want to because we just made that uh, that Green Saturday sale with Vince and was collecting on that. You know, we had the body shop rolling and, and properties, uh, real estate properties coming in. So Jack wasn't really wanting to work, but I he was 40 years old. But I was, I was still wanting to work. So when George called, I said, well, I got to talk Jack into it. He said, tell Jack, he said, I know he's NWA champion, but tell him we'll make the biggest money he's ever made. So, so I went over to Jack, told Jack that Jackson bullshit on the money. So he didn't care. But he did it. He did it because I wanted to do it so bad, you know. And uh, and so uh, we we went up there and we worked. And, uh, you know, then, uh, then Jack... Uh, Jack uh, hit a blizzard in Newark, New Jersey, where we couldn't see out. And, uh, and he said, I'm see that plane going south. I'm going to be on the next one. And he was on it. So, so you, you're, you're actually the one that really got me, you know, that introduction to Vince. Because when we did that little deal, that little deal of taking you guys' place after Andre fired you, you know, I got to be friends with Vince. And, and, and that led into a you know, stronger relationship and a longer term uh, uh, employment deal for me so thank you <laughs> well i'll tell you about michael doing a, i'll tell you what michael doing a finish we're in a sportatorium and my we're in this finish meeting and at the von eric carries there and at the free birds no one talked with michael you know, that's how it was you know in most of those finish meetings you know michael just like i laid, laid out everything it was beautiful finish it was great so then carrie disappears to the upper rooms in the sportatorium <laughs> and now we're walking down ritual yeah now we're walking down to the ring the iron man and play and i just been new in the business and carrie looks back at me we just had a three-hour meeting with michael going over the finish he says who are we working with <laughs> I, I thought he was joking i thought he's trying to break the eyes i started laughing because no no who are we working with and I said, oh, my God. I said, uh, the Freebirds. And Carrie goes, oh, good. Michael will know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that upper room in the sportatorium was dangerous. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, where the, that's where the hors d'oeuvres were. <laughs> <laughs> the appetizers. The appetizers, the appetizers yes. <laughs> we should all get a, a – uh, a t-shirt made that said i used to embark on appetizers <laughs> exactly well you know i i have been i've been fortunate i have i got to share a lot of appetizers with both jimmy from a really young age and, and michael there and uh and not so much with jbl but uh maybe that was a good thing because with his temperament i know we would, both of us would have had uh, cement scratches all over our knees and elbows but uh, <laughs> jerry, hey i'll tell you one real quick i know we're gonna go jerry, real quick i'm looking over at uh, jerry one day on the bus and he's all he's all beat up and i'm all beat up and then i start pitching the, the mind you know the night before starts coming back together you know in bits and pieces y'all know how that is and i realized that i'd wrestled jerry the night before on a cobblestone parking lot in germany just me and him and we are beating our feet to hell <laughs> the next morning and well, i didn't I realize why i was beat up until i got on the bus and looked at jerry and realized we had had some appetizers yeah, yeah, but John, John, uh, you know, these two guys today, I mean, Jimmy there, you know, the, 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 the trendsetter, you know, and, and innovation, you know, with, with, with presses, you know, which led to so many female valets and all this stuff. And 
Michael with the with the uh, with the uh, with what, whatever it is, Michael. But Michael with all with the entertainment side. He of thought the Neil business. Armstrong had a moonwalk and, and the rock. You guys pulled it together, and you guys made it work so well. And and uh, you know it's history, and and you guys should be proud of the legacy that you guys have left, and uh, and the uh, influence that you guys had on have on our business, and still have today. And so I, I'm I'm honored to be you guys as friends, and it's 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 been a pleasure having you guys visit with us today, and. You know, this is how all these things would be. Just four, four old guys sitting around bullshitting and having a good time. And, and you know what? We did it without any Jaeger. <laughs> Our appetizers. I am in Florida and I am going to, you know, <laughs> have an appetizer soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, few times does the hype live up to what you think it might be. You know, I, I watched you guys when I was in college and late in high school and then got to meet you. And, uh, guys, you have exceeded all expectations. I love you guys. I, I hope we're friends for the rest of our life. And even Jerry, I even like him because he's <laughs> from Oklahoma. But thank you, John. And, and you thank misspelled you, on the smoke signals you sent me, John. You misspelled a word. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, John. Um, uh, are we doing that autograph signing? Did you ever hear, Jimmy? You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, thank you. I'm going to cut off the recording. Thank, hey, guys, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Let's do it again.